Hi friends, you're listening to the Shattered Ceilings Podcast with your hosts Stephanie and Adriana. We're here to discuss the importance of mental health from the perspective of two first-generation immigrants. Join in weekly as we dive into important topics such as relationships, parenting, and cultural barriers. Here, we get real and candid as we explore what disrupting the status quo looks like for each of us. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Shattered Ceilings Podcast. It is just me. Adriana is still out. Baby boy was born healthy. He's so cute. I'm going to go cuddle him tomorrow. I can't wait. (laughs) We have an amazing episode in store for you guys today. It's a topic that is very close to my heart, and I think that you guys will resonate with it a lot and hopefully relate to it. We have a beautiful guest that you guys um, know and love from our previous episodes, Andrea Leka. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. I know you're super busy, so I feel so like blessed that you're able to make time to come back on for an episode. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I had such a great time with you guys last time too. I, I yeah we got to have Anka again too and yeah like I was telling Andrea our highest like our most interaction that we've had on any episode was the one that her and Anka were on and I know that um it was really helpful to you guys so super excited about today we're going to talk about mother and father wounds it is a very deep topic and subject but we're going to try to rely on Andrea's professional experience of course as a licensed counselor and try to um kind of package as much as we can into it and at the same time break it down to where you guys understand it can relate to it so I'm super excited to talk about it before we head into the episode is there anything you want to um, share Andre or talk about no no I'm excited for this topic and uh, I'm excited to tackle it and I I will say this as we dive into this I and I really want to highlight this that the topic that we're diving into does not What's a good way? Like it's not meant to shame, to ridicule, to belittle, to uh, put down parent figures. It is actually quite the opposite. It is intended to understand how God can bring healing and restoration to family dynamics. And I really want to—that's the place that I want to lead from today. And I wanted to highlight that as we dive into it. Thank you. That was such a perfect disclaimer. You couldn't have put it better. Um, so just kind of to start off the episode, can you explain a bit like the concept of mother wounds, father wounds, and how they can affect an individual's emotional well-being? Yeah, sure. So uh, the topic of attachment. So really from, from a therapeutic perspective, when I think attachment, I think of the primary figures. And we say parents, but some individuals didn't grow up with, with parents or caregivers. So parents are caregivers. The attachment is how an individual grew up and learned to relate to the world. Attachment figures are people that share the blueprint of what love and safety is. So in this concept, we're talking about mother and father wounds. So an attachment wound then, so kind of like generalized term before we dive into individual mother and father wound, uh, essentially is an injury that developed in an attachment. So an injury that developed relational, that is, uh, that caused betrayal, that caused sadness, that was due to, uh, in some cases, neglect, uh, in some cases, miscommunication, et cetera. So that's the concept. So abandonment too could be like another example of... Yeah, abandonment too, but I think the line that kind of we're walking there is abandonment can also be a form of of attachment trauma. So attachment wounding versus attachment trauma. Attachment trauma is more repetitive, 
serious, more severe type of, uh, of pain. And then a wounding is a relational injury, such as, you know, parent wasn't there in time of need once it didn't lead to trauma, but it led to pain and it led to obviously emotional discomfort. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. My next question would be, how do you identify if a person is struggling with issues related to their mother or father wounds during a therapy session? How would you identify or how would like a therapist identify that? Yeah, sure. No, great question. So um, in the context of attachment, we have four different attachment styles, and this will kind of lead into to answer the question. So secure attachment means that a parent was often attuned to you and responsive to your needs and wants. Now, there is no perfect parent, there is no perfect child, and there is no perfect human. Let's just create that disclaimer. There is no perfect parenting. Uh, there are good forms of parenting and healthy forms of parenting, but then there's also unhealthy ones. So my second question then would be, how do you or how does a therapist identify if a person is struggling with issues related to mother or father wounds during the therapy sessions? Great question. Um, I think in light of, and maybe one of the things that will help identify how we classify wounding, how we classify, you know, how how wounds show up relationally, uh, we use four different terms. And, and in light of attachment, that's secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoided and ambivalent, right? And so secure attachment means parents was attuned to you, uh, you felt connected, there was a safety relationally with the parents, anxious, obviously parents sometimes attuned, uh, but there's a sense of anxiety from the child, not knowing if parent will come home, not knowing that they have that relational safety, avoidance, so the child learned to just not ask anymore. And then ambivalent uh, attachment is basically when parent was really hot and really cold. So sometimes really attuned, sometimes really didn't attune, and that led to confusion. And so when a client comes in and we're working with wounding, how, how do I identify that? Is generally what I find there's a lot of what we call limiting core beliefs. And so a core belief is like, I don't feel wanted or I don't feel loved or I feel useless. Or so these are classified as limiting core beliefs versus I know I'm wanted. I know I belong. I know I matter. Uh, I know I'm important to people. So oftentimes when individuals present with, with attachment wounding, which oftentimes also leads to anxiety, right? Imagine operating, operating in the world from a place of, I don't know if I matter. I don't know if people care about me. I don't know. That creates sometimes depression and anxiety, but oftentimes we see a lot of anxiety in the way people operate in the world when they're, when they're suffering from that. And uh, another way we identify is it's really hard for them relationally to be able to give what they don't feel they have. So they come in with a lot of relational concerns. Okay, my marriage isn't working. My dating relationship isn't working. Or I'm having a really hard time navigating my relationship with siblings, with parents, with friends, with et cetera. So it, it comes and it shows up in relationship. And one of the, the ways it shows up that we work to identify and we help identify is where repair is really difficult. So when a relationship is really hard to repair, then oftentimes you go back to understand the attachment system and where repair became really difficult. So yeah. it's kind of like a case-by-case -case basis, you would say. Yeah, it's a case-by-case -case basis, absolutely. And so when we dive into working with clients, like we look at the whole picture. There's the attachment, there's wounding pieces, sometimes there's trauma pieces, sometimes there's the cultural component, the spiritual component. So we keep all things in mind. Uh, but very specifically when working with attachment, we find a lot of limiting beliefs. So it's very hard for uh, for clients to think in the concept of, of relationship with an anxious attachment. Is this part, the, do they really love me? If we're in conflict, maybe I should call again. Maybe I should text again. Or, or then you have somebody who's avoidantly attached. 
uh, whatever, they don't care about me anyway. What's the point of reaching out again? Oh, what's the point of repair, right? And then you have that ambivalent attachment, which is like hot or cold. Let me really, really, really try this time. Oh, let me not try this time. And so this is kind of how uh, the relational concerns show up. And so they become issues, uh, absolutely, in life. And, and they will show up and they will surface. That's so fascinating to me. I definitely can tell that I'm <laughs> going into the right field because this is so learning about this is so fascinating because it really is, like you said, I guess you guys look at it as a holistic approach. You look at all the different factors that play in. And I wanted to ask, does this have anything to do with the adverse childhood experiences test? Do you guys use that to determine like any trauma or wounds. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially when when you're working with or you have a, a clinician who specializes in working with child and developmental or you have marriage and family work where attachment is the premise of the work where you find tests like that that are used more often. Uh, yeah, so that's where you, you'll probably find tests like that utilized. So what I found fascinating and I was thinking of when you were explaining the different attachment styles was um, the secure attachment, which... It's very interesting. I believe that my husband definitely had a secure attachment with his parents. And then I actually took the other day because I just saw a video, um, the adverse childhood uh, experiences childhood test, which is basically like you they rate you one to 10. And I think it's like the higher you are, the higher your risk to basically have like negative experiences in life or like bad experiences. And like my husband rated a zero and I rated a seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was just interesting to see because I don't think I had that secure attachment with my parents like he did so I kind of wonder like if that played at all into um if it was a factor kind of that would play into that so yeah and, and attachment because again it shows up in how when I think attachment figure I think I learned this as the blueprint of love and safety this is my basis when I go back when I relate to God when I relate to other people when I relate to I relate based off of what I learn about attachment and safety oftentimes when we find individuals who have a severe severe trauma they have a hard time relating to God and understanding and even having a felt sense and understanding of God because they have so much in their system so much accrued uh environmentally what they've been through what they've experienced and so it will show up it will absolutely show up and I love how you mentioned the blueprint. Your parents are kind of like the blueprint for love and safety. I see that so much. Like, for example, with my husband, and I say this all the time, like he knew like what a healthy marriage looked like because that's what he saw. Like he knew what a healthy family was. His parents were the blueprint. And so for me, I kind of was just like, okay, well, like, let's go along with. And sometimes I felt a bit like an imposter because it's not something that I knew or I saw growing up. So, you know, I kind of just, a lot of my healing, I think, happened when I kind of just looked at him and was like, okay, you had, you know, the blueprint from your parents and your family. Let's go along. And, you know, God kind of came alongside us, of course. And so I just, I love how you said that. It, it is the blueprint. And it reminds me of our importance as parents of like, being that blueprint for our, our kids yes absolutely and and in light of since we're talking about obviously a, a heavy topic i really do think that the lord and i think about god's and i think about god renewing our mind i think about god healing and redeeming our stories i think the lord can heal and redeem our stories completely every single area of our life every wound that we have uh every pain all our traumas all, i think god is in the business of restoration and, and he absolutely, regardless of the circumstances of our life growing up, <clears throat> regardless of our attachment, regardless of our trauma, God can absolutely heal us. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful reminder because, of course, we are Christians and just having, I think, 
also my life is a testament to that just because science says that the highest that the higher that I rate I rate seven out of ten you know I should be who knows doing drugs in prison like teen all these things all these statistics and I truly believe like I'm a, like a living testament to the fact that God is real and he is in the business of restoration because to me it doesn't make sense that I would be able to be like the mother that I am or the wife that I am because of you know my childhood but um I just I think it's, it's such a beautiful reminder so I love how you said that yeah, what a beautiful testimony. And I kind of want to go into the next question, which is like, what are some common patterns or behaviors? Because I think this is super important to get from your perspective. Some common patterns or behaviors that are exhibited by individuals with mother wounds and how do they differ from those with father wounds? Yeah, so great question. So our parents aren't perfect because we're imperfect beings. We're imperfect as well. And so uh, when I take into consideration that we are now part of what is a fallen world. Mm-hmm. That sin is amongst us, that uh, disease is amongst us, that, and I'm thinking again, in context of everything, that wounds happen and traumas happen. And when I think of father and mother wounds, I'm gonna give two, two scientific examples and then I'll touch it on a little bit more. So obviously I wanna keep in context a lot of what I'm saying also there is a cultural component as well. There's there's different components, but I'm going to try to generalize as, as much as possible so that we can reach viewers. But an example for, let's say, a mother-daughter relationship. Um, wounds are insecure attachment in daughter-mother relationships, but daughters at a risk for low self-esteem, codependency, and inability to self-regulate emotion and self-soothe and relationship challenges. Mm-hmm. So this is just one example which means what, as a, let's say, teenage young girl who shows up in relationship and friendship uh, with a history of, let's say, a poor relationship with mom, it was really, really tough. It was tough to connect with mom, it was tough to relate to mom, and now shows up into the world with wounding, shows up with an inability and sometimes hardships to regulate emotion. Part of creating a healthy and secure attachment is a parent attuning to a child's needs. A child cannot regulate their own emotion or relies heavily on parents to be able to regulate their emotion. So when that interference doesn't happen or is wounded or you name it, then that creates a disruption in the child. Mm -hmm. It creates a missing experience, essentially. It's something that a child needed fundamentally that we know based off of research, based off of basic developmental needs. Uh, and now has a missing experience. So now let's talk a little bit about a father wound. So a symptom of a father wound for both sons and daughters is feeling as though you are not worthy enough and need to seek approval from others, especially other men. Women, for example, with a father wound may find themselves in future relationships with men who are emotionally unavailable, especially if their fathers were absent or not home enough to establish a bond. Mm-hmm. So men oftentimes suffer from a father wound if they were raised by a belittling or demeaning father figure who exerted dominance okay. uh, over the child versus relational. We stayed relational as well. Uh, and so this is interesting because what we, even the environment that we grew up in, let's say that the environment was not always very healthy. If the environment continuously remained unhealthy, then even if it was unhealthy, it's familiar. And so what ends up happening is that that familiarity becomes comfortable. And all of a sudden, that that if we had to choose, and this is kind of how 
generational things are passed on, like generational traumas, is if a parent or parents are in what is, again, this is somewhat of an extreme case, domestic violent situation, the child then becomes comfortable in that violence. And it, it almost like is interpreted as safe, even though we know that it's not, but it's comfortable and familiar. And so what ends up happening is the child then goes into adulthood and almost chooses that same dynamic, not because it's good, but because it's comfortable. And that comfort, because it's all they've known, now becomes what? What's familiar and what I cling to and what? And that's that's the idea of how, you know, things are passed on generationally, which is an important thing to keep in mind uh, when we're talking about attachment. And so this is the idea. So we see these fundamental differences. I, I mean, similarities even in the wounding that happens and how the wounding in a childhood then impacts an adult or a teenager going into adulthood. And then you dive into marriage and dating. And all of a sudden, there's a, a saying in our field that says, if you don't deal with your woundings and traumas, your marriage is well. Why? Because now you're in a relationship with somebody who's really close to you. And it's an emotionally intimate relationship. And what happens? All our stuff surfaces. Right. Yeah. All the tangle of attachments, my attachment, his attachment, all of a sudden we're tangling. And it's a tangle of the wounds as well. Right. I see. And I think that's where, um, I mean, just for me, for example, I didn't really have a lot of that showing up until I got into my first relationship, which luckily was my husband. (laughs) He was my first boyfriend. And, you know, we got married really quick. So I kind of had to confront all of that, you know, in the first year. And I see that sometimes that can be definitely exacerbated or um, discovered when you are in a relationship like that with another person, especially somebody who has obviously a different attachment style than you. So absolutely, absolutely. Just kind of uh, piggybacking off of that, um, I I wanted to ask how can unresolved mother father wounds impact a person's relationship, um, particularly in romantic or parental context? How have you seen it um, negatively or positively affect? Sure, sure. So let's talk. Let me give you an example of what would be classified as as maybe like a negative result of, of unresolved wounds. So expecting your spouse to read your mind. Okay. Uh, instead of asking for what you need, avoiding hard topics entirely or shutting down. That's kind of like that avoid avoidance uh relational type attachment type or taking things personal. Everything feels personal, everything feels like an attack. So all of these are ways in which our attachment shows up relationally. Uh because our relationship with parents and caregivers creates our attachment style, then our relationships kind of leading to what I was saying, uh, our relationships become the tangle of attachment. So for example, we oftentimes find that uh, an anxiously attached person connects with an avoidantly attached person. It's like the perfect tangle between the two. Uh, and so I, I did a little bit research and kind of just adding to that. And I want to share a little bit about why that happens. And so uh, research tells us that uh, anxious avoidant relationships are initially attractive for both persons because their partners fulfill their prior beliefs of what intimacy intimacy is supposed to be like. So for example, name a random name. Jill, with her anxious attachment style, expects her spouse to be distant. And when she confronts him, he naturally meets those expectations. Let's say with his avoidance uh, attachment, believes all women are needy and demeaning. And this is exactly how Jill behaves. And so all of a sudden, now you see these two expectations, almost like fears that become projected in relationships, now are what we call the tango. 
of attachment. It's how our stuff shows up relationally. And, and it really does. Uh, and it creates dynamics. And think of the, in the context of how can this also work to our advantage? When you have two people that are securely attached, how beautiful, which means what? They have this hope of repair relationally. They can be in conflict and conflict isn't always the worst thing in the world. Unhealthy conflict isn't healthy, but conflict can actually bring relationships together. It's a part of life. It's part of relationships. You have two people that even if they grew up in the same church, let's say, in the same city, in the same cultural place, and yet such different personality types, different uh, attachment, just so different. And then you put them together and they marry in holy matrimony. And now you have to figure out their stuff because it'll come up, right? And so this is a part of life, but that doesn't have to be the deal breaker. And so an attachment wounding, what ends up happening is that stuff comes up and repair is absolutely possible. But I also think it starts with the individual and the individual really understanding their story. So I love um, how you put that, that conflict can be a positive thing depending on how you look at it. Because especially as Christians, um, I think that we definitely believe that conflict and um, dealing with conflict, especially in a relationship, is kind of like polishing. It's like polishing your character um, to look obviously more like Christ. But also it's kind of like that coming together um, of two people. And I think that I love that you mentioned that that conflict can be um, a beautiful thing. Um, and I did, I kind of wanted to kind of segue now into talking about how this stuff can show up in our parenting. Um, and I kind of want to get deep <laughs> and a little bit transparent here just because doing the research, um, you know, kind of preparing this episode, uh, I saw a lot of my own mother and father wounds and how they translate into my parenting, which was very good for me to be confronted with because um, I think that especially as parents, healing yourself um, and dealing with these things. You're just a better parent and you're not passing that on to your own kids. So a couple of things that I noticed, um, like uh, my father wound. So my dad, he was a truck driver and anybody whose dad was a truck driver, yours was too, right, Andrea? You understand and like, you know what it's like that your dad is gone a lot, especially um, as a Romanian. I mean, my dad was a really hard worker. So he was gone a lot. And then when he was home, um, he was really tired. So he was always just kind of like, okay, dad's home, you know, let him sleep, let him rest. He's going to be back out on the road, you know, whenever he's going to go back out. So maybe not, you know, unknowingly, he might have not been there for me um, or might have been avoided because of um, the fact that he was working so hard. And that now as an adult, I can understand that. But I see that showing up for me. And um, I have a really hard time like trusting people. And I don't know if that um, has to do with that. You know, because I mean, I'm sure you could give me your professional opinion, um, but I, I have noticed that, that I have a hard time, like, um, yeah, trusting just the people that I'm in in relationships with. And for a long time, I think even my husband, I might have put him through the ringer in the beginning um, because um, I trusted him. But a part of me, I do think it might have had to do with that with, you know, my dad growing up um, being gone a lot. But it's kind of like I wanted him to prove himself all the time. So that for me was not so much in my parenting, but definitely in my relationship with him is how it showed up. Oh, got it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. When I think of this, and this is kind of like what leads to healing. And I love that you're so self-aware in the way that you said that, that as an adult, I can look at that and, and look at that and say, okay, wow, dad was such a hard worker. That is amazing. But he cared for us. He cared for our family. This is a good and beautiful thing. And other pieces, and then that left me also with some pain. And both be true, mm -hmm. right? It's not that 
he left me with pain because I was bad because he was absent. It was, it's not that mm-hmm. it's dad needed to do what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously that left me with the missing experience of that relational bond with him sometimes in developmental years when that's really important mm-hmm. and both can be true. And I, this is kind of what leads to healing. Yeah. Is that both of these pieces can be true. And so in light of, of what you shared, you know, thank you for sharing your vulnerability. That's, that's hard. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it can encourage other people because this subject, um, that's why it's, it's so fascinating and important to me because I think we need to talk about mother and father wounds because when we recognize it, we yeah. can, like you said, go to the next step, which would be like recognizing that they maybe did the best that they could at that time, which like you said, in turn leads to healing. Because I think a lot of us may be dealing with a lot of pent up anger and frustration um, towards our parents. And it's holding us back in our own relationships, even, you know, with our significant others, with our kids. And um, the first step I definitely think is talking about it and and acknowledging Agreed. Agreed. And maybe even putting some, I think another piece is kind of in light of what you're saying is putting some language to it, to what the experience was like, you know, it's okay for me to say, you know, mom and dad were amazing and they did the absolute best that they could. And, and there's a piece here that, that left me with some pain. It doesn't mean because they intended me to be in pain. It doesn't mean because they wanted to me or because they're just neglectful parents. It's not that. Mm-hmm. it's looking at the story and just sharing this is my experience in it and this is how I felt and yeah. that doesn't mean that I'm going to go around shaming people or shaming parents or it's not that mm-hmm. it's being able to look and share this has been my experience and this is how it impacted me personally and then I can look back and say they're amazing and they're such hard workers and they really did try their best and I think that leads to a healthy dynamic that both can be true simultaneously I, I love that. that yep healthy dynamic exactly like you said because I'm a huge um, believer in this and I say it all the time I found like a new freedom in my relationship with my parents when I acknowledged hey this is how you know this made me feel you not being there whatever I had a new freedom and a new like honesty and transparency in my relationship with them and to me that's what a true relationship is it just led to like a deeper level I think of of my relationship with them Absolutely. And a deeper level of trust that they can hold space for your experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And and sometimes that's tough. And and I'm thinking, you know, you're a mama. And so uh, I'm not. So that's also my piece that I want to share mindfully. But when when sharing information like this, especially with the parent, I think it's so healing that they hold space for it versus internalize it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because the moment in which it's internalized, it kind of becomes less about this was my experience and more about what does this mean about me? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that you being able to share that with your parents and your family and then holding space for it and just kind of say, okay, I see this was your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's okay for you to have that experience. This this right. is what was real to you. And it's, it's calling it what it was versus right. saying that this must mean something really bad about me. If you have this experience, I think that's really healthy. It yeah. doesn't have to be their bad. They weren't, it didn't sound like they were bad parents. Also, I think that sometimes you might have to rock your parents through that um, and what that feels like because they might not notice that they're internalizing it. They might not know how not to do that. Because for me, I had to be sometimes like, look, mom, dad, 
this is not about me shaming you. This is about me having a better relationship with you. And I have to be open with you about these things. It's about me being a better mom. It's about me being a better wife. I have to talk to you about this. And I think that's hard sometimes because I mean, a lot of, you know, immigrant, we like to kind of sweep things under the rug. And so it's awkward. Nobody wants to really hear that. I'm a mom. Like, I don't know. And I'm sure obviously in my own way, my kids will have their own things, you know, and they're older to say about me that I, you know, wasn't doing my best in this or this area. But um, it's just sometimes like, it's okay to walk your parents through that. And I think when they saw the benefits of me opening up to them and how much better our relationship was, they realized the importance of talking about that stuff. Oh, that's beautiful. And and I think that's when healing happens in families. We heal, we don't pass on. Yes. Yeah. So that's beautiful. That's the goal. That's definitely the goal, I think. And especially like now as a mom, um, I've dealt with, you know, healing from so much, but I still see, um, cause I mean, like I said about my father once, I see certain things, um, you know, from, which was very crazy for me to see, like a mother wound can sometimes make you be like, if you had a very critical mother, you could be very critical with your own kids, which that's exactly how I am with my kids. Like I expect them to be like little adults. And I noticing that was like, Wow. Like just noticing that connection kind of makes you feel like, hey, like I knew I wasn't crazy. You know, this is kind of the explanation for it. And now I can go forward to the next step. Like now that I notice that I'm doing these things, I can make an effort to not or heal from it and not continue it further. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's absolutely how healing happens. And I think that's how, you know, as the generations go on, we pass on more of the Lord. We pass on more of a healthiness. We pass on good things to to the generations to come and we really help them set the stage for for healthy living and that's beautiful that's absolutely beautiful i love that so how important would you say that it is for individuals to confront and heal from mother and father wounds in order to lead fulfilling and balanced lives i know we kind of touched on this but then also like what are the potential consequences of neglecting these issues in therapy yeah well i think as we were touching on just throughout throughout our chat today is because attachment runs kind of like at the foundation of of love, safety, repair, belonging, all of these, you know, universal needs, uh, that it really is an important thing. And what I mean by that is it's an important thing to understand within yourself about your own story. And actually, in a, in a recent article that I was reading, they had mentioned that uh, one of the most important factors there's a few different ones but one of the most important factors in passing passing on and creating healthy relationship and dynamics in your family in parenting uh in marriages etc is having a healthy understanding of your own story having self-awareness understanding and not not like with judgment and i don't mean that judgment towards yourself or towards your parents are tortured, but with curiosity to really understand how different developmental stages, how different, you know, milestones throughout life, be it good, be it bad, really impacted you and affected you. And a healthy understanding of that and all of that, and, and I really mean this, like bringing the Lord into all of that, mm-hmm. right? So that is not about dishonoring people. It's not about dishonoring yourself in the process, but it really is about understanding. And not only that, then as believers, we say, Lord and Lord, where were you in here? Help me understand. Bring healing to that part of my life and to understand where you were as I was. Um, 
suffering at that age when I had lost, when I was suffering at that age. And this is really how, how our story starts to change. So what I'm saying is when we have a healthy understanding of our stories, we can then pass on healthiness. I cannot give you what I don't have. Mm-hmm. I can't give you, if I don't have a healthy mind, if I don't have a healthy heart, if I, I can't be healthy in my giving because the wellspring of my life, it comes from my heart. I can give you what I have. And so then kind of going back to attachment as being so foundational and so important, um, neglecting that and neglecting listening to our stories uh, can really lead to us harming others in ways we've been harmed. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the generalized idea of it. Mm-hmm. it is, if people treated you a certain way, you continue treating them a certain way without understanding that, hey, I can really take ownership for this. I didn't cause my wounding and I didn't cause my traumas. They happened to me, but I have the ability to do something about it. And I have the ability to heal. I have the ability to forgive. I have the ability to let go. I have the ability to accept the pieces of my story. The good, the bad, they they were part of the story. And now I can determine, and what do I choose to do going forward? And how how am I going to let healing impact me right now so that I can go forward and live victoriously in the victorious life that God created for us? When we're triggered left and right, we're not living in freedom. That's not freedom when we're constantly triggered by things. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do think God wants to renew our mind renew our soul, our spirit, uh, and really make us one with him, bring healing to all of these different fundamental parts of our lives so that we can be more like him. Yeah. So that we can grow a relationship with him so that we can, as we do life, we can show up like him and start looking like him and sounding like him and not triggered and not projecting our stuff, our past pain, our past wounding onto other people. Uh, yeah. as we are the people of, of the Lord and how we show up matters. Ooh, that was powerful. <laughs> I love that. No, everything. Yeah, that was so beautiful. Um, And also, I think it I'm just thinking now as you're talking about that, I think that also helps us not to fall into this like victim mentality. Right. Um, and be like stuck, you know, in a certain experience or time in our life. Um, And one thing I mean, I can I know I feel like I can say for myself is it is always a journey. Um, you know, you think like, I think like, oh, I've healed from this, but you know, I still have this one component that I need to work on. And like you said, coming together with the Lord and, you know, like God heal me from this, teach me how to move forward, like change my behaviors, change my attitudes about this. And I think if you look at it like that as a journey, um, it's easier not to get stuck in a certain place, not to be frustrated and to just continue moving forward and like we're human as long as we're going to be on earth we'll have this stuff to deal with but you know god is here to um like you said heal these things and he wants us to live like an abundant life where we're not like you said triggered by this but it takes i think like you said talking about it and acknowledging those things absolutely absolutely and putting language around it i love that yeah so how um what advice do you offer to clients who are trying to navigate these like complex relationships with their parents? Um, especially if those relationships have been a source of emotional pain, or if the parent has a hard time um, internalizing it and not, not being open to talking about this stuff. Yeah. Great question. Um, as a starting place, I feel like we can go in so many directions with this question, but I think as a starting place uh, would be to acknowledge your pain. Start by noticing, okay, I'm in pain. Something here in this relationship dynamic is causing me pain and I have to take a step back right now. And I have to identify what is causing me pain. 
And the second question I think that ensues is, and what do I need? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if I'm constantly, whether it's putting myself or in a situation where I'm emotionally in pain, then I really have to ask myself, what is happening here? And what do I need so that the emotional pain can stop? Right? And let's say that something you're needing, like the attention of a parent, let's say as an adult and parent just does not want to chat does not want to confront situations, does not want to deal with that, does not want to, you know, one of the hard part, I think, uh, of of being an adult is, is having to accept people where they're at. And and part of that, that leads, and I think of the stages of grief, what leads to acceptance is this grief of like, I hoped that when I would reach this season of my life, now as an adult in my 30s, let me give you an example that I would have had a different relationship dynamic with this parent. Mm-hmm. That is, that's my story, but that's kind of what, what I'm saying is, and to get to the place where, where I'm looking at a parent and saying, okay, this is where they're at. This is what I'm needing. There is a chance this parent can give me what I need. I have to then go back and say, am I willing to have that? And, and sometimes when I'm having a hard time accepting that, or it doesn't have to be with a parent, it could be with a friend, it could be with anyone. Uh, I have to really take a step back and say, what is keeping me from accepting really where they're at? And maybe now is not a season where they want to talk about things. And maybe now is not a season where, you know, things are going to be dealt with or addressed or, uh, but what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. I can let them accept where they're at. And that's a painful place because you got you have to visit grief. Yeah. You have to go through the grief of, I I. I was hoping and I thought it was going to be different, but this is where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And that eventually leads to, to acceptance. So one beautiful thing that I read that I thought of when you just said um, is accepting um, kind of and going through that grief stage of the relationship you would have hoped for. I read something and it like resonated so much with me. It was like when you realize that the way somebody treats you or like if they do something to you is speaks more about their internal struggle that's when you start to learn what grace means and I was like oh my goodness like that was such an eye-opener for me because a lot of times I'll be honest like if somebody treats me a certain way I'm like I I make it about me you know why are they treating me like that why are they acting out like this but if I step back and I look at like no that their action is more about their internal world and what they're going through and their struggle it kind of helps for me to one more extend more grace and to just be more like mindful that like it's not all about me and it's you know it it does might not even have anything to do with me it just might be what they're going through so one of the things that I was thinking about is is as as we started this conversation is in light of our parents, the reality is they're not perfect. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And how one of the healing realizations that may even answer this question is, it is likely that they're wounded themselves. And it's likely that in different ways, they're in pain themselves. And so to even have this idea tying into what you were saying about how it may have nothing to do with us. I think this is such a pivotal point because a lot of times, even in the context of attachment, we project what we what we think is happening versus what may actually be happening. Mm-hmm. Because when we feel this big emotion of I feel rejected, let's say because of the way my spouse looked at me or because of the fact that that rejection wound was triggered on the inside of me, it means that I have a trigger wound on the inside of me. That I need to figure out, yeah. 
that I need to take responsibility over. My wounds and my triggers are my responsibility. They're not my spouse's. They're not my parents. They're not, they're my responsibility to heal. And as I recognize that I have the ability to do that, I'm really taking ownership for how I show up in the world. Yeah. And that's really powerful. And, and it really does. I think you mentioned the word victim. It really, it really shifts that victim mindset because let's say when a child is five years old, they don't have a lot of say in what happens in their life. Mm-hmm. They, they can fall victim to things that they didn't ask for. They didn't sign up for that just happened. But now as a fully functioning adult, I can take ownership and accountability for how I show up in the world. That's that's also the hope of healing, mm-hmm. yep. right? Is that I can really take it and I can own it and I can say, listen, I don't like how I'm showing up in this relationship or in this dynamic or what is it that I need to work through about what happens when I get triggered to that space? And that's the space that we can bring to the Lord in prayer. I would, I would really start there. Yeah. The Lord is great at healing. And it's not like healing is a one time and done. Healing is a journey. And it doesn't always look like this perfect linear. It doesn't. Maybe in a perfect world, it would. But sometimes it kind of looks a little bit like this. Gosh, I thought I really, you know, I really went into that wound and I really thought I dealt, but oh, it showed up again. Lord, I'm bringing this. It's an act of, act of surrender. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It keeps us humble, really. I love it. And I definitely yeah. think um, every day that we wake up alive and breathing, we have another chance to work on ourselves and work on these, you know, traumas that we deal with. And I don't think we should ever excuse ourselves or um, stay stuck in that because, like you said, I keep going back to that. God wants us to live in freedom. Um, he uh, doesn't want us to live triggered and you know constantly. And one of, like you said, the most powerful thing you can do is not live in this victim mentality. Take you know, responsibility for how you're showing up. That's beautiful. I love how you put that. Yeah. yeah. So I, just, I want to ask, um, are there any specific therapeutic techniques or approaches that you specifically find effective in helping clients heal from mother or father wounds? It's like you ask a therapist who specializes in a different modality and they'll probably attest to their modality. <laughs> there are various different modalities that really help uh, highlight this dynamic, like a lot of attachment related modalities are phenomenal for, for that. In fact, they base all of their treatment therapeutic interventions on that. And use a lot of couples, uh, therapists, like marriage and family therapists, they're really, really good at that. In fact, that's probably like their forte in therapy. Mine's trauma, which is obviously connected as well, but uh, marriage and family therapists will be great for really diving into that, but also uh are doing individual work, there's a modality called cognitive behavioral therapy. And the reason why this came to mind is because um, one of the therapeutic interventions uh, is called understanding your core beliefs. It's called core beliefs. And the idea is this, that um, when I have a core belief and let's say a limiting core belief, let's say I believe about myself that I am uh, not important, okay? That when I show up in relationship, I really tend to shy away because I feel like I'm just not important. When I show up in my family, I'm not going to ask a question or ask for what I need because I feel like I'm not important. So this therapeutic intervention essentially says that when I have a belief, a core belief, let's say, um, that I'm not important, it's almost like wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. Where 
on top of those glasses, let's say the words I'm not important are written. And then what ends up happening is I look at life through that lens. When I believe that about myself, that that per my pain and wounding and traumas, and I've accrued some kind of evidence that I'm not important, then it almost becomes like the filter at which we look life. Then that's like only what you look out for to basically convince yourself of. Yeah, well, it ends up happening. That's all I see. Mm-hmm. You look at even micro situations and all of a sudden you have the sensitivity. They must mean and they must have that must have meant that I'm not important. And or, that's oh, where the breakdown in the communication happens in the relationship. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this is really important to keep in mind because this also ties into attachment. And attachment wounding creates limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so when there's a wound, let's say where, you know, I'm just going to give you a wild example. Let's say parents uh, were CEOs of a company and oftentimes parents would be on the phone a lot. And so a child growing up watching mom and dad predominantly on the phone. Now, again, this is a out there example, uh, may have felt in different seasons that they're just not important and they come secondary to the business, Right. And so all of a sudden they develop this belief that I'm not important. So they show up in school and they show up in teenage years and they show up in marriage and they don't ask a lot of questions and they don't have a lot of needs and they don't really assert themselves. They don't put up boundaries. They they really kind of just survive because they've learned that their needs come secondary. So they don't even bother. So this is an example of kind of having those glasses of, I, I just, I'm not important and I'm just, started believing that about myself and the way he would leave the 99 to come take. And you look at his welcoming back to the prodigal. And you look at all these stories and you see God's love and intention for us as humanity to remind us how he created us, where we belong in the world as his children. Love. You see what I mean? Kind of how like attachment comes and plays a part into that. And I think that's why a healthy understanding of, of scripture of the Lord is imperative in healing all of our wounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love how you mentioned, um, so you would say cognitive behavioral therapy is a great, um, is a great approach or modality to addressing or starting to address some of this. So that's kind of like a more practical way of doing it and understanding core beliefs, but a lot of the attachment modalities, and there's quite a few of those, uh, would be more helpful in doing kind of like deeper, more in-depth work. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Which I'm happy to share with anyone. If anyone has questions, I'm here. Andre is amazing, guys. <laughs> I'll be scheduling a session with you soon. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap up today's episode, I know we kind of bounced all over the place, but we had really good, deep, thought-provoking convos um, that I am honored to have had you on. So thank you, Andrea. And um, <laughs> I hope that um, I hope that it related to you guys um, or that you guys were able to relate to at least something of what we said today. Um, if anything stood out to you guys or you would like to um, have any suggestions or feedback, you guys can go ahead and do that, of course, as always through the anonymous box that we have in our link tree. Um, once again, thank you, Andrea, so much. You're so lovely. Oh, thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me, Steph. You're wonderful. And you're going to come on again. So we're not. you're not going to get rid of us. <laughs> of course. Glad to do so. So again, thanks guys so much for listening today. Um, Go ahead and subscribe to all of our channels so you can keep up with our next episodes and we'll see you back again in two weeks. Bye guys. Bye.